2: All righty, welcome to Prayer Warriors Needed, because prayer warriors are needed, and today we have our midday prayer, and we just thank God for the privilege of prayer. This conference
3: is being recorded.
2: We thank God that we can come together and give God all the praise and all the honor. We're looking at our Pentateuch, which is the Old Testament, and we're the actual laws uh created on this earth come from. All laws uh, stem from the Ten Commandments, and that is in Exodus. And uh, we're going to take a look, a quick review uh, of the um, the book of Exodus. And uh, we are going to uh, study the key points, the strategies, the uh, main idea rather not strategy, the main point and make a comparison of Genesis and Exodus, and we'll make a comparison of the Jesus of Exodus, which is the Passover Lamb. We'll make that type of comparison. We'll look at some of the plagues that were that were put on the people during that time um, and how God came through and preserved his people. In the midst of of all the uh changes, look at the targeted individuals uh during the biblical time of Exodus. the people that were persecuted uh put into slavery uh, put in a very uh bad situation and um we'll have a quick review on the book of Exodus. So we'll, uh, let me open up with prayer. God, we give you praise and glory. We thank you, God, for each and every participant, downloader, listener. We thank you, God, for those who want to be here and just can't be here, Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for all praying people, particularly targeted individuals that know that prayer changes things. We thank you, God, for biblical teaching, biblical history. We thank you, God, for Jehovah, Jehoshaphat that was led through fasting and prayer to break up bondage to break up strongholds to break up the plan of the enemy and we come before you god to plan to pray and praise this program to break up the plan of the enemy the plan of uh humiliating people we we bind up we come together to bind up every uh, attempt every strategy, every dollar used for scientific obstructions, human research uh, uh, experimentation to, uh, on unwitting subjects. We bind up stalking. We bind up job mobbing. We bind up that spirit of induced poverty in the name of Jesus, God. We call out blessings. We call out peace, love, compassion, good health, prosperity, growth in the kingdom of God, advancement of the kingdom of God, and we come together to bind and rebuke every force of Satan, Heavenly Father. God, we ask you, God, to take charge. Use your people, Heavenly Father, to to take charge. Send your angels to guard us, to guide us, to lead us, direct us, Heavenly Father. To take over our governing structure in the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus over our executive branch, our legislative branch, and our judicial branch. We plead the blood of Jesus over good health for each and every one of us, heavenly Father, for each and every praying target. We plead the blood of Jesus on our bloodlines, our nephews, our nieces, our children, our grandchildren, in the name of Jesus, that they will be blessed and highly favored. That you will cover them. That you will protect them. God, we plead the blood of Jesus on our elders, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, we ask you, God, for special blessings, God, to govern their minds in the name of Jesus. We bind up the spirit of induced Alzheimer's. We bind up the spirit of mixed-up mixed up thinking. We bind up the spirit of paranoia. We bind up every spirit that is not of God. We bind up the spirit of, of sending in, in things to distract, distract people's peace in the name of Jesus. God, we ask you for blessings, Heavenly Father, over our elderly, over our babies. I call my mother to be blessed. I call Ann's mother to be blessed. I call Amy's mother to be blessed. I call Irene's mother to be blessed. Lord, I ask you, God, to bless all of our seniors in the name of Jesus, God. Give them a special hedge of protection, Heavenly Father. We send those. We ask you, God, to send the warrior angels, God, to cover them with the blood of Jesus, to watch over them, to. Uh, To hoover around them, Heavenly Father Let no weapon formed against them prosper God, we pray for our Targeted individual community, God God, we thank you, God, for the praying people. God, we ask you, God, to bless each and every TI. God, walk with them, talk with them. God, let them come, each one come up with the strategy that you put on their lives to bust open wide the doors of hell and to take back the authority that we have from every demon force assaulting us. In the name of Jesus, we call disabling chips to come in place. We call disabling. Uh, demonic forces heavenly father in our governance structures we call the breaking down of the judiciary removing demon forces we call the breaking down of demons in the legislative branch we call the breaking down of demons in the executive branch in the name of jesus we call god's laws ten commandments to reign across our lives to reign across this earth in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, God, we ask you, God, to protect those, Heavenly Father, that need housing, God. Give them a place, God, that that, that that is their own. Open up the windows of heaven, God. We bind up the spirit of destabilization, God. We thank you, God, for those of us that you've given us Stabilized housing, Heavenly Father We give you praise and glory That you kept us through in the midst of this Sick sick program, God God, we thank you, God, for a roof over our head We thank you, God, for all the wondrous things That you're going to do All the wondrous things that you have done We thank you, God, for allowing us to to get to know you better We thank you God for what the devil meant for bad That you're using good We thank you God that we get to grow spiritually In your word We thank you God that we can be better people Behind this when the devil was plotting Our 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 uh, uh, Dismantling We thank you, God, that we are growing in your word. We bind up demon forces to set us back. We bind up the food demon. We bind up the the smoking demon. We bind up the gossiping demon. We bind up the paranoia demon. We bind up every single demon attempt to try to distract our peace, to take us away from God. In the name of Jesus, God, we ask you, God, that you make us to be the best people that we can be, Heavenly Father, to do great things on this earth. We bind up the spirit of persecution. We bind up that demon of slander, discrediting campaigns, lying on people, God, trying to make people look like something that they are not. God, we thank you, God, that we know with you, God, there's always a way out, Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, that we are not of the world, that we live in the world, that we have a different angle in life, God. God, we thank you, God, for biblical understanding. We thank you, God, for biblical growth. We thank you, God, for biblical teaching. And we bind up every demon force trying to make us revert, trying to make us distracted, trying to pull us off a course. God, we thank you for the privilege to line us up with the assignment you created each and every one of us for. Line us up, God. Don't let us leave this earth, God, without accomplishing the assignment you put on our lives. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We exalt your name, God. We magnify your name. We thank you, God, for another chance to meet that assignment, to meet that destiny you created us for. God, we thank you that as we continue to grow in your word, that we're lining up, God. We're, do, we're, we're doing what we were created to be for. God, there's no other reason to be on this earth but to be on the earth for what the creator created you for. And we thank you, God, for this realization. We thank you, God, for this understanding. We thank you, God, for the thirst to meet the goals of, that you have on our lives. God, we accept the the responsibility that you put on us. We thank you, God, for giving us the means to carry out this big-time assignment, God. God, this assignment where demons are trying to distract us. God, lead us, direct us, let the devil know that he is a liar. Lord, lead us to give that devil a black eye by doing multiple works for God across this earth. God, we praise you, we exalt you, we bind up demons across the board, we let the devil know him and his minions, government informants, people acting like they're working for uh, uh, helping people and they're really working for the government, we bind those demon spirits up in the name of Jesus, we call exposure to it, Heavenly Father, God, we praise you. We exalt your name, Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for your word that says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We thank you, God, for your word that tells us that we shall not want, Heavenly Father, that you are a provider, Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for your word that tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and there's no demon from the pit of hell that can have more power. Then the mighty God, this earth is his and the fullness thereof. We thank you, God, for your creations. We thank you, God, for everything you put on this earth for us to benefit. God, we bind up the spirit of reverse and what is right to what is wrong. We bind up curses, God, curses that are put on this earth. And we call curses to be turned into blessings in the name of Jesus. We bind up every demonic curse on our governance structures. We bind up the spirit of disabling public protection offices in the name of Jesus. We bind it up. We call public protection officers to work according to God's will. We call the word of God to reign across this earth. We call demons to be put under our feet. We call demons to be exposed, to be pulled out of government. We bind them up in the name of Jesus. We call blessed people, men of God, men of women. Women of God, men of God, and women of God to be in leadership positions to enforce the rule of law according to the Ten Commandments, according to the will of God. And we bind up every demon force trying to pervert the legal system, trying to pervert the Ten Commandments, trying to use the law to reverse everything that is written in that Ten Commandments. God, we thank you, God, for being edified in the Word of God today. We thank you, God, for the book of Exodus that we're about to study. Holy Spirit, have thine own way. God, lead us, direct us, and let us leave this lesson with information and knowledge we did not have previously. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're looking at the book of Exodus, and um, I'll do just a quick review because, oh goodness, I have to get to that post office, so... Uh, uh, The beginning of Exodus talks about the redemption from Egypt. It goes into um, Israel's rapid multiplication, Israel's severe affliction, Israel's planned extinction, preparation of the leaders of the redemption. Israel accepts the call of Moses, God's redemption of Israel from Egypt. Moses confronts Pharaoh by word. Moses confronts Pharaoh with miracles. Moses confronts Pharaoh through plagues. Um, Then it goes into preservation. Uh, They were preserved from thirst. They were preserved from hunger. They were preserved from uh, defeat. They were preserved from chaos. And then Exodus 19, then we go into the revelation from God, the revelation of the covenant, the preparation of the people, the revelation uh, the judgment, the formal ratification of the covenant, the tabernacle, the priests These are some of the uh, more important parts of Exodus. God fills the tabernacle with his glory in Exodus 40. Exodus basically is a book of redemption. The book of Exodus reports the first of God's deliverance of Israel as he had promised Abraham. The second book of the Pentateuch, which the Pentateuch are the first is it the first five or six books? I think it's the first five. Elka the Pentateuch or um Jeff? The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible or the first six? First Elka five. five. Okay, okay. All right. So the second book of the Pentateuch is Exodus and it picks up the story where Genesis left off. And so the Bible for that matter, the Pentateuch Genesis and Exodus is considered a sequel. It's considered a story that follows after Genesis. In Genesis, the divine purpose is revealed. In Exodus, the divine performance is exhibited. This deliverance from bondage was a crucial event in the experience of the Israelites. Centuries later, many authors of the prophetic books and psalms acclaimed it as the most significant miracle in their history. The deliverance is a beautiful type of sinner's redemption from the bondage of sin, thus, Exodus is rightly called the book of redemption. Uh, when you compare Genesis and Exodus, we have in Genesis, we have human effort and failure. we have the fall of man. but in Exodus Exodus, we see divine power and triumph. In Genesis, we have the word of the promise. In Exodus, we have the work of fulfillment. In Genesis, we see a people chosen, but in Exodus, we see a people called. In Genesis, we saw God's electing mercy. In Exodus, we saw God's electing manner. In Genesis, we saw the revelation of nationality. In Exodus, we saw the realization of nationality. The Christ of Exodus. Exodus contains no direct messianic prophecies, but it's full of types of portraits of Christ. Let's take a look at six of them. Moses. Moses is a a type of Christ. Both Moses and Christ were prophets. We can see that in Deuteronomy 18.15. They were prophets, priests, and kings. Although Moses was never made king, he functioned as the ruler of Israel. Both were kinsmen, redeemers. Both are engaged in infancy. Both voluntarily renounced power and wealth. Both were deliverers, lawgivers, and mediators. So the Christ of Exodus is, um, is exemplified in Moses. He's a type of Christ. Another type of Christ is the Passover. In John one twenty nine and 1 Corinthians 5.7, It makes it clear that Christ is our Passover lamb. Then we have the Christ of the seven feasts. Each of these feasts portrays some aspect of the ministry of Christ. Then we have the Exodus. Paul relates baptism to the Exodus because baptism symbolizes death to the old and identification with the new. Romans 6, 2, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 4. Then we have the Christ of the tabernacle in its materials, colors, furniture, and arrangement. The tabernacle clearly speaks of the person of Christ and the way of redemption. The development is progressive from suffering blood and death to beauty, holiness, and the glory of God. The tabernacle is theology in a physical form. Then we have the Christ of the High High Priest. In several ways, the High Priest foreshadows the ministry of Christ, our Great High Priest. Hebrews 4:14, 4, Hebrews 9:11, and Hebrews 20. No, Hebrews 9 verses 11 through 12 and 24 to 28. What are some of the keys to the Exodus? The key word for Exodus is redemption. Central to the book of Exodus is the concept of redemption. Israel was redeemed from bondage in Egypt into a covenant relationship with God. From the redemption of Moses in the Nile to the redeeming presence of God in the tabernacle, Exodus record records God's overwhelming acts of deliverance by which he demonstrates his right to be Israel's king. The key verses for Exodus is Exodus 6 6. Uh, verse 6, 19, and Wait a minute. Exodus 6, verse 6, and Exodus 19, verses 5 and 6. Those are the key verses. The key chapters, Exodus 12 through 14. The climax of the entire Old Testament is recorded in chapters 12 through 14 of Exodus. Again, the climax of the entire Old Testament, because that is the redemption, right? Is recorded in Exodus 12 through 14. The salvation of Israel through blood, which is the Passover, and through power, the Red Sea. The Exodus is the central event of the Old Testament as the cross is of the New Testament. A summary of Exodus. Exodus abounds with God's powerful redemptive acts on behalf of his oppressed people. It begins in pain and ends in liberation. And I pray... We can compare that to the targeted individual experience, which begins in pain, but it shall end in liberation, freedom. Exodus moves from the groaning of the people, from the groaning of T.I.s to the glory of God. It is the continuation of the story that begins in Genesis with the 70 descendants of Jacob who moved from Canaan to Egypt. They multiplied under adverse conditions to a multitude of over 2 million people. When the Israelites finally turned to God for deliverance from their bondage, God quickly responds by redeeming them. And that means when T.I.s quickly respond to God, T.I.s quickly rather turn to God for deliverance from their bondage of this sick program, of this demonic program, God will quickly respond by redeeming us. With an unstretched arm and with great judgments, Exodus 6.6, 6, God faithfully fulfills his promise made to Abraham centuries before in Genesis 15. The book Exodus, the book, falls into two parts. One part, the first part is about the redemption from Egypt. And the second part is the revelation from God. Redemption from Egypt, that's Exodus chapters 1 through 18. After four centuries of slavery, the people of Israel cried to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for deliverance. God has already prepared Moses for this purpose and has commissioned him at the burning bush to stand before Pharaoh as the advocate for Israel. However, Pharaoh hardens his heart. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? Exodus 5.2 God soon reveals himself to Pharaoh through a series of object lessons the ten plagues. These plagues grow in severity until the tenth brings death to the firstborn of every household of Egypt. Mm. Israel is redeemed through this plague by means of the Passover lamb. The Israelites' faith in God at this point becomes the basis for their national redemption. As they leave Egypt, God guides them by a pillar of fire and saves them from Egypt pursuing army through the miraculous crossing of the sea. In the wilderness, he protects and sustains them throughout their journeys. The second part of Exodus is all about the revelation from God. So the first, first part is about their redemption, how uh, the Israelites came out of bondage, how Pharaoh's heart was hard, how they had, it, had to put plagues on the uh, country to facilitate um, their redemption. Uh, The second part is about the revelation from God. Exodus chapters 19 through 40 talk about revelation from God. Now that the people have experienced God's deliverance, guidance, and protection, they are ready to be taught what God expects of them. The redeemed people must now be set apart to walk with God. This is why the emphasis moves from narration in Exodus chapters 1 to 18 to legislation in Exodus chapters 19 to 40. On Mount Sinai, Moses receives God's moral, civil, and ceremonial laws, as well as the pattern for the tabernacle to be built in the wilderness. After God judges the people for their worship of the golden calf, the tabernacle is constructed and consecrated. It is a building of beauty in a barren land and reveals much about the person of God and the way of redemption little bit about Exodus' background. The English title Exodus originated with the Greek Septuagint Septu- Exodus, meaning departure or exit. <clears throat> the title appropriately represents the key event of the book, the Israelites' miraculous fight from bondage in Egypt. The writing, Moses probably wrote this book soon after the completion of the tabernacle described in Exodus 35-40. through 40. This date is the last half of the 15th century B.C. The historical setting, the date of the Exodus, the date of Exodus is 1445 B.C. This is derived from two sets of facts, the arrival of Jacob and his family in Egypt, the duration of the stay in Egypt, and the beginning of Solomon's temple. Moses rose up to deliver Israel. After more than 400 years of bondage in Egypt, God determined to deliver the descendants of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob from slavery. He raised up Moses and commissioned him to be the leader of the Exodus. In obedience to God's call, Moses confronted Pharaoh with God's mandate to let the people go. To impress on him the seriousness of this message from God, Moses, by God's power, called down plagues as judgments on Egypt. During several of these, these, Pharaoh agreed to let the Israelites go, but then he reneged on his decision once the plague was lifted. Can you imagine? The time came for the tenth and final plague, the one that would give the Egyptians no other choice than to drive the Israelites out. God passed over the land of Egypt to strike down every firstborn man and beast that was not covered by the blood of the Passover lamb, Exodus 12.12. 12. Since the Israelites were also living in Egypt, how could they escape the destruction? The Lord gave a specific command to his people to obey it would bring his protection to each Hebrew family and firstborn son. Each family was to take a year-old male lamb without defect and kill it at twilight on the 14th day of the month. All the households could share a single lamb, Exodus 12.4. Some of the blood of the slain lamb was to be sprinkled on the two sides and on the top of the door frames of their homes. God promised to pass over those homes that had the blood sprinkled on them. Thus, the term Passover came from this. It comes from Hebrew, meaning pasach, meaning to jump past or to pass over to spear. Thus, by the blood of the slain lamb, the Israelites were spared the judgment of death that came to all Egyptian firstborn. God commanded the sign of the blood, not because he could not otherwise distinguish the Israelites from the Egyptians, but because he wanted to teach his people the importance of obedience and of blood redemption, thus preparing of the lamb of God who centuries later would take away the sin of the world. So he was trying to show people, uh, prepare people for, the, uh, for, the, the, for Jesus Christ's persecution, to let them see um, what it is to have someone living in per- perfection and using their blood uh, to redeem a whole nation. That particular night, the Israelites were supposed to be dressed and ready to leave, Exodus 12, 11. They were commanded to roast, not boil the lamb, and to prepare bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. As night approached, they would then be ready to eat the food and depart in haste when the Egyptians came and begged them to leave their country. Everything happened as the Lord had spoken, Exodus 12:29. Prominent subjects in the book of Exodus. Eight words represent the multicolored narrative of Exodus. Bondage, Moses, Plagues, Passover, Exodus, Commandments, Idolatry, and Tabernacle. Those are the words that basically summarize the uh, main ideas in the book of Exodus Bondage, Moses, Plagues, Passover, Exodus Commandments, Idolatry And Tabernacle Bondage and oppression is talked about In Exodus 1 verses 8 Through 22 Moses was the leader of Israel Moses is one of the most colossal And majestic characters in the history Of the world Moses' early life and ministry is contained In the book of Exodus Exodus 2, 1 through 7 Demonstration of God's powers all throughout Exodus, particularly in Exodus 7, uh, verse 14, and in Exodus 11, verse 10. The Passover is talked about in Exodus 12, verse 3, and 12, 28. The night of the Passover sacrifices was a turning point in the history of Israel. It was the beginning of a new era for the people of God who had multiplied in number and were about to be redeemed from the power of the oppressor. A new calendar was instituted, Exodus 12.12. 12. The Israelites' experience was to be annually commemorated as a permanent ordinance. The Passover, to Is- the Passover in Israelite Jewish history. From the moment in history, God's people celebrated the Passover every spring. In response to his command that the Passover be an everlasting ordinance, It was, however, a memorial sacrifice. Only the initial sacrifice in Egypt was an effective sacrifice. Before the temple was built, each Passover the Israelites gathered in households. They killed the lamb, removed all yeast from their homes, and they had bitter herbs. More important, they retold the story of the miraculous exodus of their ancestors from the land of Egypt and from slavery to Pharaoh. Thus, from generation to generation, the Hebrew people remembered God's redemption and their deliverance from Egypt. Once the temple was built, God commanded that the Passover celebration and the killing of the Lamb take place in Jerusalem. The Old Testament records several times in which an especially significant Passover was celebrated in the Holy City. The Passover was likewise observed by the Jews in New Testament times. The only incident from Jesus' boyhood recorded in Scripture occurred when his parents took him to Jerusalem at 12 years old to celebrate the Passover, Luke 2, verses 41 to 42. Later in life, Jesus regularly went to Jerusalem for the Passover, John 2:13. The last supper that Jesus ate with his disciples in Jerusalem shortly before going to the cross was a Passover meal, 1 Corinthians 5-7. Jews today still celebrate the Passover, though its nature has changed somewhat, since there is no longer a temple in Jerusalem where a lamb can be slain. In obedience to Deuteronomy 16, 1-6, six, the contemporary Jewish feast is called the Setter. It is no longer celebrated with a sacrificed lamb. But families still gather together. All yeast is ceremonial removed from Jewish homes in accordance with the laws of the feast of unleavened bread, and the story of the exodus from Egypt is retold by the father of the household. We can compare our Passover lamb to Jesus Christ. Our Passover lamb, we see the slain and not the living lamb availed, Exodus twelve six. For Jesus Christ, it says he, it was him who was crucified, 1 Corinthians 2, 2. The lamb was without blemish. Exodus twelve fifteen. Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. First 1 Peter one nineteen. The lamb, the Passover lamb was blood to be shed. Exodus twelve seven. Jesus Christ came there, out blood. John nineteen thirty four. The Passover lamb was blood to be sprinkled. Exodus twelve twenty two. Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, our heart should be sprinkled from an evil conscience, Hebrews 10.22. There was no bone broken in the Passover lamb, Exodus 12.46. In Jesus Christ, a bone of his shall not be broken, it says in John 19.36. Our Passover lamb, we see that if the lamb did not die, then the firstborn would have, Exodus 12.3.23. In Jesus Christ, we see that the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Our Passover lamb, we see that those redeemed by the lamb to be sanctified to the Lord, <clears throat> Exodus 13.2. In Jesus Christ, we see that ye are not your own, for ye are brought with a price, 1 Corinthians uh, 6.19. That's our Passover in Jesus Christ comparison. Um, it's interesting to note, though, the manner in which the plagues divided into groups of threes. This is when Moses was trying to talk to the Pharaoh, and he played hard nose. <clears throat> he said he would lift, he would let the people go, and then as soon as, excuse me, as soon as the plague stopped, held them in bondage again. The plagues, what were they? We had plague one. Uh, Which Aaron used his rod Was in plague 1, 2, and 3 Each of the plagues in this group uh, Were described as loathsome loathsome, loathsome. Then uh, plague 4, 5, and 6 No rod was mentioned Each of the plagues in this group Involved pain and loss upon their victims And then the last three Moses used his rod and each Of the plagues in this group involved Dramatic upheavals of nature The Passover Chapter is also a key Chapter of the whole Bible as We read it we look for what is taught About divine holiness and grace And man's sin and salvation Why did God institute blood Sacrifice as the atonement ritual Hebrews nine twenty two. Um okay. And then it goes back into the plagues. Let me let me just go into um, what were the plagues discussed in Exodus uh, that was put on the people trying to get um, the people out of bondage from Egypt. So what were the plagues? The plagues they had water to blood, Exodus seven fourteen to twenty four. There was a warning. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. They were also worshipping the Nile gods. The Nile was sacred. Egyptian gods were mocked. And they remained seven days. Magicians imitated but could not undo the damage. Magicians, they tried to undo the plague. They could not. The second plague were frogs. That's in Exodus 8, 1 through 15. God gave, there was a warning. Pharaoh's heart was hard. And the frog-headed god, they were worshiping, Egyptian gods, mocked. was the frog-headed god, Heka frog, good goddess. Mm. To the Egyptians, the frog represented human life in embryo. The next plague. Okay, so they put a plague towards the evil there, towards whatever they were worshiping. So the first plague watered the blood. They were worshipping the Nile gods. The second one, they were worshipping some kind of frog. So the plague was the frog. Uh, the next plague was lice, fleas, or gnats. And that's in Exodus eight sixteen to 19. There was no forewarning.
4: Uh,
2: Pharaoh's heart was hardened. They were worshipping Leb-Earth-God, L-E-B, Earth-God, Magnetic. The magicians acknowledged this is the finger of God. It was outside human control. The magicians uh, acknowledged they couldn't do anything to stop the lice, fleas, or gnats. The next plague was flies, dog flies. These bite the edge of the eyelids. Exodus 8 to 20. Exodus chapter 8, verses 20 to 32. Excuse me. There was no forewarning. Pharaoh's heart was still hardened. They were worshiping. the. Kapara Beetle God And Israel was immune First author and second offer And uh, Pharaoh's heart was still hardened Then the next one was Moraine Moraine is when the animals They they put there was a, a diseases on the animals and That's in Exodus 9 verses 1 through 7 There was no forewarning Pharaoh's heart was hardened And they were worshipping the apis Seraphis, sacred cattle god at Memphis, right? They were worshiping some animals. So the curse that came upon them was some cattle survived. The moraine is a general term implying a plague upon domestic animals. Then the next one was boils. The plague was boils, an eruptive disease that turned into an open sore. There was no forewarning. The uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And they were worshiping the goddess queen of heaven. Mm. Even magicians, magicians affected and rendered unclean to worship. Mm. The next plague was hell. Exodus 9, verses 13 to 35. They were, The people were forewarned about this. Pharaoh's heart was hard. Iris, water, and Os- Osiris were the deities they were worshiping. Those smitten neglected the warning neglected the warning. There was a warning. Then the next plague was locust, Exodus ten, one through twenty. They were forewarned about it. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Well well Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And they were worshipping the shoe god of air, the Sebek insect god. They differed from Pharaoh. The Egyptian officers pleaded with their ruler. The next one, the next plague was darkness. Exodus 10 verses 21 to 23. They were not forewarned about this. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. They were worshiping the supreme deity Ra atun Atunre, sun god, the supreme deity. Their fourth offer from Pharaoh. Darkness remained three days. The name Pharaoh means sun. Uh, Those were the plagues that were put on uh, Egypt, trying to get these people, uh, trying to get their king to uh, let the uh, people go. Then there was the Dead Sea Deliverance and Wilderness Journey, Exodus 12 through 37, through Exodus 18 to 27. The first 18 chapters of Exodus relate Israel's deliverance while the remaining chapters concern their worship. The deliverance was not in one isolated event. It involved God's preservation uh, preservation through bondage, provision of a leader, promotion of a spirit of hope of deliverance through promise, protection in the midst of severe plagues. Power over the obstacle of the Red Sea and provision in a strange and hostile wilderness. Such were the varied experiences of Israel over those many years. The later two experiences are the subject of the present passage. As we read the passage, observe the many things which God taught his people through such trying
5: circumstances.
2: And as we read it, we have to take a look at what God was teaching his people when they were going through such trying circumstances. And going through this TI program is a very trying circumstance. We must understand that God is teaching us many times. He is teaching us things. When they went through the Red Sea deliverance in chapters 13 uh, through 15, God gave them instructions. He gave them deliverance. He gave them a song of praise. The wilderness journey is discussed in Exodus 15. There was a wilderness journey at Marah chapter, at Elim chapter, at the wilderness of Sin chapter, at the Red chap- chapters. The Hebrews' passage through the sea was a wilderness experience. The Red Sea is literally sea of reeds. It is thought to be the southern end of Lake Mansaia. Men- 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 The crossing of the Red Sea is discussed in Exodus 13 through 14. It took place through a direct miraculous act of God. Bible writers use this event to remind God's people of his power and greatness. Psalms 106, Isaiah 51, Jeremiah 31. Israel's deliverance through the Red Sea confirmed God's promise to fight for them. Exodus 13. The law was given at Sinai, Exodus 19. This is the second which contains the familiar Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 19 begins the last half of the book, which is called worship. Worship is intimately related to law. To worship is to acknowledge a higher authority. And there is no authority where there is no law. So after God delivered his people from bondage, he began to spell out in detail how they should worship him publicly, privately, and even in the everyday living. These instructions were the laws. Their importance to Israel is seen by the space devoted to them in the Pentateuch. About half of Exodus, most of Leviticus, the first part of Numbers, and much of Deuteronomy is devoted to these instructions. The importance of the Ten Commandments to the world is demonstrated by the fact that the legal codes of every civilized nation are based upon the Ten Commandments. Again, the legal codes of every civilized nation are based upon the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments of Exodus 20, 1 through 17, are foundational and all-inclusive. Observe that the first four commandments tell of man's duty towards God. The last six commandments tell man's duty towards his fellow man. Let's take a look at the Ten Commandments. And the first um, four commandments tell of man's duty towards God. And then the rest talk about man's duty towards man. God speak all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And that means no idolatry. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and shewing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. For the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy main servant, nor thy maid servant nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother that their days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God give thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's.
4: Basically, if these
2: basic rules are followed, in, in essence, these are the basic rules, the foundations of law across the earth, all civilized nations. They began with enforcing those basic rules because they teach you to exalt God. And then right after that, they teach you how to live in harmony with your brother, not killing his wife not killing him, not 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 killing anyone, you know, and leaving his wife and family alone. Okay. All right. Receiving God's law through their leader Moses was one of the most important aspects of the Israelites' experience at Mount Sinai. The Mosaic law. Uh, It can be divided into three categories The moral law, dealing with God's rule for holy living, Exodus 21-17 through The civil law, dealing with Israel's legal and social life as a nation, Exodus 21 The ceremonial law, dealing with the form and ritual of Israel's worship of the Lord Including the sacrificial system, Exodus 24 God's covenant brought about the nature and function of the Old Testament law The law designed to shut up the people as the schoolmaster was to keep the people from a total waywardness until the one who would fulfill the law could come. The covenant stipulated obedience. The law was given in connection with the covenant that God made his people. It set forth the covenant stipulations they were expected to obey in loyalty to the Lord God to whom they belonged. The Israelites formally accepted these covenant obligations, Exodus 24, 1-8. God's mercy and deliverance required obedience. Israel's obedience to the law was to be grounded in God's saving mercy and his deliverance of the people, Exodus 19:4. Note that the law was given after they had been saved by the blood of the Passover lamb and redeemed from slavery, Exodus 20. And while they were living as pilgrims on the earth by God's grace, Exodus 19.4. God's will is revealed in Exodus. The law revealed God's will for his people's behavior, Exodus 19.4. And he prescribed blood sacrifices to atone for their sin, Leviticus 1.5. The law was not designed as a way to obtain salvation for the unsaved. The people to whom it was given were already in a saved relationship with God, Exodus 20.2. Rather, the law, they learned how God wanted them to live righteously towards both their redeemer and their neighbor. The Israelites were expected to obey the law by God's grace in order to maintain and celebrate their faith relationship with him. Deuteronomy 28, the foundation for keeping God's commandments is love and trust. We must love the most high God, love our neighbors, and we must trust. In both the Old Testament and New Testament, a commitment trust in God and His word, Genesis fifteen six, and a heartfelt love for him, Deuteronomy six five, it formed the foundation for keeping God's commandments. Israel failed exactly at this point, for they often did not make believing in God, loving him with all their heart, and desire to walk in his ways their motive for fulfilling the law. Paul states that Israel did not attain the righteousness that the law intended because they did not pursue it by faith, Romans 9.32. A heart of love was required. The law emphasized the eternal truth that obedience to God from a heart of love would result in a full life and enrich blessings from the Lord. The law revealed God's nature. The law expressed God's nature and disposition, his love, his goodness, his justice, and hatred of evil. The Israelite believers were expected to keep God's moral law because they had been created in his image, Leviticus 19.2. Perfection in the keeping of the law was not required. Again, perfection. In the keeping of the law was not required. Salvation in the Old Testament was never based on perfection. In keeping all the commandments inherent in Israel's relationship with God was the sacrificial system that provided forgiveness for those who transgressed the commandment, but who sincerely returned in repentance and faith to God's mercy and provision of blood atonement. The law was not complete. The Old Testament law and covenant were not complete, nor were they intended to be permanent. The law acted as a temporary guardian for God's people until Christ came, Galatians 3.22. The old covenant has now been replaced by the new covenant in which God has disclosed fully his plan of salvation through Jesus Christ, Romans 3.24, Galatians 3.19. The law had a purpose. It was given by God and added to the promise because of transgression. It was designed to regulate conduct, to define what sin was, to show Israel their inherent tendency to violate God's will and to do evil. And it was, done to, it was also to awaken their sense and need for God's mercy, grace, and redemption, Romans 3.20, 5.20, and Romans 8.2. Idolatry at Sinai, Exodus 32 talks about the idolatry. Four words summarize the narrative chapter. The idolatry brought about sin, judgment, intercession, and renewal. the people's sins was of the worst kind, spiritual idolatry and corruption that means they were looking in de- they were using dark forces exodus thirty two one to six God's judgment was consuming, declared by a jealous lord Moses intercession was desperate, appealing to god's mercy exodus thirty two the consequent renewal. A fellowship between Israel and God was conditional, was conditioned upon the people's repentance from sin and their determination to obey the words of the covenant, Exodus 34. The cycle represented by the four words previously noted was constantly recurring sequence in Israel's history from this time forward. After coming to the place of renewal, the people would move back to the dwellings of sin again, and the cycle would repeat itself. That Israel was not ever utterly consumed is explained only by the mercy of God and by the ministry of prophets, judges, and people like Moses who pleaded with God on behalf of their brethren. That God was pleased to work through his chosen leaders is illustrated in these chapters by the experience of Moses. The delay on the mountain was the occasion for his people to sin at the beginning of the narrative. His presence at the end of the narrative was an occasion of awe. And respect. Moses spoke for God. Aaron, <clears throat> okay. Aaron's joining with the people's desire as a leader. Aaron seriously compromised God's standards in order to please the people he served. Exodus 32. He gave in to the godless pressure of the Israelites and violated the second commandment. Only Moses's intercession saved him from God's wrath and from death. Deuteronomy 9:20. Moses' intercession for the people saved them. Moses' intercession for the people of Israel, Exodus 32:11, It reveals that God answers the prayers of his faithful servants and allows them to share in his redemptive purposes and decisions. God clearly desired to destroy the rebellious people, Exodus 32.10. Moses, acting as mediator between the Lord and the people, earnestly interceded in order to turn away God's wrath and change his stated intention. Because of Moses' intense prayer, the Lord relented, Exodus 32. The great truth emphasized here is that God makes his servants co-workers with him. He appoints them mediators and intercessors for the lost Romans nine two and in some limited measure the fate of the perishing is in their hands Matthew nine thirty eight. Thus God has ordained that the sincere intercession of a righteous person may move him to change his temporal will and bring redemption instead of judgment. Prayer does indeed change things. Psalms one zero six Jeremiah eighteen. God hears our intercession. God does not disregard the intercession of a faithful servant as long as hope for redemption remains. Intercession will be rejected by God when sin has reached its limit. God turned from wrath to mercy. It is an unfathomable mystery that God should be persuaded by the intercession of fallible human beings to alter his announced course of action and turn from wrath to mercy. God is not an implacable deity of a God or inflexible fate, but a personal God who delights to be moved by the love, faith, and prayers of his faithful people. Plans for the wilderness tabernacle are discussed in Exodus 25. Exodus 25 through 31 records God's specification for the building of the wilderness tabernacle, and Exodus chapters 35 through 40 report the actual construction of that tabernacle. The diagram,
0: <clears throat>
2: which I have here, uh, it shows the plan and furniture of the tabernacle. Construction of the tabernacle is discussed in Exodus 35. Uh, a brief outline <clears throat> of that is uh, Exodus 35 talks about the preparation of the tabernacle, the items made, the inspections, the tabernacle's uh, erected in the glory of the Lord. The account of the tabernacle construction is in Exodus 36, and the specification given to Moses is in Exodus 25. It corresponds accurately. All things were done obediently without question. When the workmen had finished making the parts of the tabernacle, they brought everything to Moses. Moses set up the structure just one year after the Israelites had departed from Egypt. <clears throat> he carefully assembled every piece as directed, each article of furniture in its exact position. When all was done, a wonderful thing happened. God came down and filled the tabernacle with his glory. He had kept his word given early in Exodus twenty-five, eight. From that time on, he would not speak to them from the fiery Mount Sinai, but from the hallowed tabernacle. The arrangement of the tabernacle was a type of preparatory for the one sacrifice that has taken away the sins of the world. And uh, in the tabernacle, some of the more important parts, we have the brazen altar. <clears throat> it was made of acacia wood. It was covered by plates of brass, and it was placed in a courtyard between the door of the court and the outer veil of the tabernacle, it was accounted especially sacred and on seven occasions in Scripture. The sanctifying of the altar is mentioned. The brass typifies Christ's suffering judgment unto death in order that he might be an acceptable sacrifice in God's sight. And that's the brazen altar. Then we have the lapper. Neither the measurements nor its physical appearance is known except that it was made of brass. It was to contain water to be used by the priests to wash themselves during their service in the tabernacle. The laver, L-A-V-E-R, provided a type of cleansing which served to maintain fitness for spiritual ministry. Washing with water represented a practical cleansing from defilement of the world, and it was an emblem of what true inward purity, which must characterize the one who is to make atonement for the sins of the people. The laver was a type of cleansing from the guilt of sin. The laver and the life of the New Testament believers replaced by the Bible and the Holy Spirit. Then we had the table of shrewbread. Uh, this was made about the size of a modern coffee table. It was made durable, dessert, of wood, and covered with gold. It served to display 12 small flat round loaves that were laid out in orderly fashion so as to be display, displayed and then liberally sprinkled with frankincense. Each Sabbath day new lobes were provided. The shoe bread represented Christ, the bread of life, who nourishes believers. It was also known as the bread of his presence, the bread of his faith, or bringing God and man face to face. Then we had the golden candlestick. The lampstand was made of a talent of pure gold which was shaped in Tempered by beating. It weighed well over 100 pounds and stood about three cubits high. It had a massive base, a strong shaft, and
5: three shafts
2: on each side to make a total of seven lamps. The seven lamps speak of the sevenfold perfection of the illumination of the Spirit who witnesses to and through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Then we had the altar of incense. This was made of a kaya and overlaid with gold. At all times, incense was burning on the altar, while once a year the blood of atonement was sprinkled upon it. The continually ascending fragrance of incense from this altar is also a type of the redeemed believer's happy communion with the Father made possible by the sacrifice of Christ. Prayer, adoration, and thanksgiving may all be represented by incense offered up to God. We have the Ark of the Covenant. It was the last article the worshippers would meet. It was the most important of all the furniture and the central object towards which everything else pointed. The top or lid of the ark was a slab of pure gold and it was known as the mercy seat. It typically represented the throne of God. Here was the blood here the blood was sprinkled as a symbol of the appeasement of God through sacrifice. For the New Testament believer, the mercy seat represents the place where Christ sprinkled his own blood, cleansing the sins of all mankind. There were the priestly garments. The high priest was dressed to a particular fashion depicting the wondrous beauties of Christ and the privileges and duties of all who are the priests of God. Then we have the ephod, E-P-H-O-D. This was an outer garment in the style of a tunic or in the style of a tunic It was made of linen in blue Purple and scarlet It had engraved Onk stones on the shoulders So that its name So that the names of the six Eldest sons were engraved On the stone on the right shoulder And those of the six younger sons On the stone of the left shoulder The colors and materials typify Christ in his high priestly ministry He bears his people Upon his shoulders the seat of power Then we have the breastplate. It was a nice piece of elaborately finished cloth of the same material as the ephod. It had been formed by folding, which contained the Urim and Thumin. The stores represented the 12 tribes of Israel. We have the robe. and we had the the crown. This was the the middle and the crown. The middle was fine linen, about... The head and coils at the front was a golden plate engraved. Holiness to the Lord, the high priest, typified the true inner holiness on the ground of which alone Israel could be accepted by God. Okay, those are some of the more important parts um, about uh, Israel, I mean, of Exodus, excuse me. Oh, boy. All right, quick quiz. You guys with me? Elka, Jeff, Anne, Mother, quiz time. Jeff, you here? Elka?
4: Yes.
2: Okay, darlings. The Greek Septuagint Exodus means blank and blank. The Greek Septuagint Exodus means blank and blank. Here are the choices. The Greek septagon's Exodus means escape, departure, sneak out, exit. Which two? The Greek. I can't hear you. Talk into the phone. Um, I can't hear you, Elka. Okay, is that better? Much better.
3: Okay. The words problem. are
2: escape, departure, sneak out, or exit.
3: Departure and exit.
2: Excellent. The great septagon. Subtugins, Exodus means departure and exit is correcto. Excellent. When the Israelites left Egypt, how did God guide them? Through strong wind, a burning bush, a pillar of fire, army of angels.
3: Pillar of fire.
2: Pillar of fire is correct. Excellent. Excellent. All right. What feast do the Israelites celebrate to commemorate their miraculous escape from Egypt in 1445 BC? The Feast of Tabernacle, the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Purim. What feast do the Israelites celebrate? Um, Jeff? Jeff you not with Passover us? Passover Passover, the Feast of Passover excellent, which one is a prominent subject in the book of Exodus? The parting words of Moses, God's holiness and man's sinfulness, the Passover or the fall, Which one is a prominent subject in the book of Exodus, Parting words of Moses. Oh, Jeff is oh oh there he goes. I didn't I wasn't looking at my um he's sitting here. Okay, he's uh he's texting me. I I'm sorry, I didn't even look at this. Oh, he's been answering. Okay, Pillar of Fire, Passover, excellent. Okay. Which one is a prominent subject in the book of Exodus? Parting words of Moses, God's holiness and man's sinfulness, the Passover or the fall? Mother said Passover. Passover is correct. Prominent subject in the book of Exodus is the Passover, yes. All right, Israel's deliverance through the Red Sea is a confirmation of God's promise to fight for them, God's ability to perform miracles, God's glory and power, God's wrath against the Egyptians. Again, Israel's deliverance through the Red Sea is a confirmation of God's promise to fight for them, God's ability to perform miracles, God's glory and power, God's wrath against the Egyptians.
3: God's promise.
2: God's promise to fight for them is correct. God's promise to fight for them is correct. Uh, he said all of the above. No, no, no. It was God's promise. The Mosaic law is divided into categories. Which one deals with God's rules for holy living? Again, the Mosaic law is divided into categories. Which one deals with God's rules for holy living? The moral law, the circumcision law, the, c- law, the ceremonial law. The
3: moral
4: law.
2: The mo- The moral law.
4: True or false,
2: during the Passover, God commanded the Israelites to slay a year-old lamb and sprinkle its blood on the door frames of their homes so that the angel of death could distinguish the Israelites from the Egyptians. True or false? Again, during the Passover, God commanded the Israelites to slay a year-old lamb, and sprinkle its blood on the door frames of their home so that the angel of death could distinguish the Israelites from the Egyptians. True or false?
4: True.
2: That is false.
3: I figured it was false, you know, at and first. The
2: beginning part is true, but the I end part is false. I figured false,
3: and this, I knew it was a listen, trick question. I it was knew a it. trick
2: question. Listen, God commanded... The sign of the blood, because he wanted to teach his people the importance of obedience right, and right. of blood redemption. He wasn't trying to distinguish the Israelites from the Egyptians. No, he wasn't. He
3: wasn't. No, he wasn't. Not
2: trying to. He wanted them to see the value of the obedience and blood redemption. Thus, carrying right. the Lamb of God. Oh wow! Would take away the sins of the world. That's it. Sneaky question. Yes. Sneaky
3: question. All right. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, 'cause Yeah,
2: because the whole yeah. beginning was true. Another true <laughs> or false? The first four commandments in the Ten Commandments tell of man's duty towards his fellow man. The first ten command the first four, excuse me the first four commandments in the Ten Commandments tell of man's duty towards his fellow man. True or false? It's true. God then man. Excellent. So that is false. He got oh, it's one. false. The first four. It's false. Yes. The oh, first four false. commandments. The first four commandments in the Ten Commandments tell of man's duty towards God, and then the last six commandments tell of man's duty towards his fellow man. Okay. True or false. The importance of the Ten Commandments to the world is demonstrated by the fact that the legal codes of every civilized nation are based upon them. True or false. The importance of the Ten Commandments to the world is demonstrated by the fact that the legal codes of every civilized nation are based upon them. True or false. True, true. You were right. Uh, Jeff said true, and then he went partially. No, it's true. They're supposed to be. No, that that was the intent that every nation would use those ten commandments. No, that is true. The foundation for keeping God's commandment is knowledge and will. True or false? The foundation for keeping God's commandments is knowledge and will. True or false? No, false The foundation for keeping God's commandments is
3: Obedience
2: No, one begins with an L and the other one a T
3: Oh, love and uh, trust
2: Love and trust, right The foundation for keeping God's commandments is love and trust This is a matching Um, I'm going to read a definition and then four words. Tell me which one. This one, it typifies Christ's suffering judgment unto death in order that he might be an acceptable sacrifice in God's sight. Again, this word means, it typifies Christ's suffering judgment unto death in order that he might be an acceptable sacrifice in God's sight. Is that the ephod, the and crown, the brazen altar, or the ark of the covenant? This typifies Christ suffering judgment unto death in order that he might be an acceptable sacrifice in God's sight. The ephod, E-P-H-O-D, the milter and crown, or the brazen altar, or the ark of the... Let me see what Mark wrote, I mean what Jeff has. Jeff said, hmm.
3: Come on.
2: Go ahead, Mother. Mother said the Ark of the Covenant. That's That's
3: what I thought, too, yes.
2: It's the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, Yes, Mother. Uh Okay. It was the most important of all the furniture in the tabernacle and the central object towards which everything else pointed. Again, it was the most important of all of the furniture in the tabernacle and the central object towards which everything else pointed. Is that the ephod? The Milton and crown, or the brazen altar.
3: The brazen altar.
2: The brazen altar, I say too. I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna get the answers in a minute. Brazen altar or them? It was an outer garment in the style of a tunic. The ephod or the mitre and crown.
3: Mitre and crown.
2: No, it has to be the ephod because the crown goes on the head.
3: Oh, the ephod is the breastplate. The tunic. Yeah, yeah, that, that well, a tunic is like a breastplate.
2: Right, and then finally, a fine linen bound about the head in coils is the milter, the mitter, and crown.
4: Right.
2: Okay. is correct, good. It typifies Christ's suffering judgment unto death in order that he might be an acceptable sacrifice in God's sight, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most important of all the furniture in the tabernacle and the central object towards which everything else pointed, the brazen altar. It was an outer garment in the style of a tunic, the ephod. A fine linen bound about the head and coils is the mitre and crown. And, um, yeah, that's it. That's it guys, and um, yeah, so yes, uh, wow, good one hour, I have two hours to get to the post office I just want to say thank you guys for being here and um, joining uh, me And and Ann, are you still here? I'm glad to, um, hopefully Ann has a new person that she, uh, uh, a, a night owl You know, I need all the night owls I can get because a lot of people go to bed uh early. So thank you. Any anybody else if you know someone that wants to study the Bible and um you're welcome, uh Jeff. I, I enjoyed you guys too. Anyone else um studying the Bible? I'm studying this for my own you know, edification and um, you know, I'm just sharing it uh with you guys. Uh This is for my own. I I never took Bible study, so I I just treasure having the uh, privilege to be able to um, study the Bible because I never did it. And most importantly, when I saw this sick program with this magnitude of evil, you know, the only power over evil is the power of God. So what am I doing studying anything other than the Bible? Because I, I need power over this evil, right, right. so I, I just thank God for the Word of God. I, I would have never known what the Pentateuch is. I would have never known, or you know, or I, I just thank God, and I'm so glad that I have you, great people, that uh, you know, that are just as thirsty as I am. You know, right. we're, we're looking for closure. We're looking for. I, I'm looking for the most, the only effective weapon against evil, and that's the power of God. uh, I bind up these these demonic attacks This this spirit of oppression Of of taking people's money And and oppressing people Inducing people into poverty uh, Not allowing people to work uh, Torturing people Playing with people's health Oh, the devil is a liar The devil is a liar The devil is a liar And I thank God that we have a countermeasure that we do not have to sit in a pity pot. We need to read these Bible stories and recognize that evil has been on this earth a long time, and what has gotten rid of this evil is the power of God. Mm -hmm. So we thank you, God, for this time that we had to come together to pray and exalt your name, Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for encouraging us. We thank you, God, for all you've done, all you're going to do. And we thank you, God, for each and every blessing that we have continuously coming towards us. We thank you, God, that you gave us another chance to be in the land of the living. We thank you, God, that you've given us another chance to meet the destiny that you put on our lives. We thank you, God, for clarity and understanding that all that we, the only thing that we do on this earth that really matters is what we do for Christ, because he is the creator of, of us all. So, God, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you, God, that we can come into the spiritual realm and exalt your name and honor you and magnify your name. And thank you, God, for all the good forces that are going to turn things around. We thank you, God, for turning curses into blessings. We thank you, God, for opening the windows of heaven, for turning things around like they've never been turned around. We thank you, God, for praying people. We thank you, God, for moving demons out of high places, and we bind up spiritual wickedness in high places in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus to break down demons in high places. We plead the blood of Jesus to turn things around. God, we praise you. We exalt you. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to let Mommy pray a little
5: Praise the Lord, Heavenly Father. We come before thee to give thee thanks for another day that you have given us where we can be instructed through your word, Lord. Help us to mature in the word of God, Heavenly Father. Thank, Miriam, for taking the time and the patience for instructing us, Lord. We glorify your name, Lord. May we be blessed individually and collectively for listening to this service, Lord. We thank God, Lord, for opening our mind to the word, more positive each day through listening to this prayer. Bless Miriam. Bless all the listeners, individually and collectively. To God be the glory. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, your love, your light, your understanding for instructing us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless Miriam. Bless each and every member. Listening, Lord, help us to increase daily through the Word of God. Teach us, Lord, to be more more preoccupied, to learn more and more about the Word of God. In Jesus' name, bless all people. Bless the saved ones. Bless the unsaved ones. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Miriam, we thank you. Amen. To God be the glory.
2: Amen. Thank you, Mother.
5: All right. Glory to God.
2: Amen. Uh, Elka, you want to pray? Ann, you want to pray? Jeff?
3: I've got a prayer here from this huge love on, on love. Lord, help us to express our love for you by separating ourselves completely from anything that is not pleasant in your sight. If the enemy of our soul has anything in us, reveal it to us now so that we can be free from any influence he may have. If um, we have in any way attached our heart or thoughts to his ways or have been drawn away from your kingdom, show us so that we can repent of it and come back to you and under your protective covering. Enable us to stand strong in resisting the enemy, so that he will flee from us. Amen. Uh, we will not look to any person to be our Savior, for the help of man is useless, if not led by you. Uh, and that's Psalm 108, verse 12. Psalm 108, verse
0: 12.
3: Against the enemy no one can do what you do. That's what our eyes are always uh, that's why our eyes are always on you. Psalm 25:15. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you have defeated the enemy and put him under your feet.
5: Glory to God.
3: Amen. Um, help us to take up the shield of faith in you that protects us from enemy attacks.
5: Thank you, Lord. Thank you.
3: Ephesians 6.16 For your righteousness' sake, bring our soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off our enemies and destroy all those who afflict our soul. For we are your servants. Psalm 143:11 to 12 Help us to resist all temptation to live as those who serve the enemy. Amen. When tempted, we will worship you because praise invites your presence you. in a powerful way and the enemy hates it. Thank you that you are on our side and we need not fear what man can do to us.
5: Glory to God.
3: Glory to God, amen psalm 118 verse 6 thank you that your commandments make us wiser than our enemies psalm 119 verse 98 thank you that no weapon of the enemy formed against us will prosper
2: amen amen read that one again (laughs) no weapon
3: Thank you that no weapon of the enemy formed against us Not will prosper. Not one
2: weapon. It didn't say the enemy won't form uh, tools against us, but it said it won't prosper okay. in the name of Jesus.
3: Amen. Isaiah fifty-four seventeen. In Jesus' name we pray. And then there are verses that cover this further. It's Isaiah 59 verse 19.
5: Thank you,
3: Jesus. When the enemy comes in, and some people like to put a period right after that. When the enemy comes in, period, then like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Right, amen. <laughs> you know, the enemy, uh, the um, the uh, the Spirit of the Lord comes flooding in, you yes. know,
4: <laughs> and sets up a standard. <laughs>
3: thank you Holy Spirit and then Psalm 41 verse 11 to 12 by this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemy does not triumph over me and as for me you uphold me in mine integrity and set me before your face forever
5: isn't that beautiful
3: That is so beautiful. Hallelujah. And uh, 1 John 5, verse 4 and 5. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith.
5: Thank you for overcoming us.
3: Yes. And who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God.
5: Follow the word.
3: And then Psalm thirty-seven, ten to eleven. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> but the weak shall inherit the. Uh, but the meek, the meek, shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The meek, amen. And then Psalm 56, verse 9 is the last one here. When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me.
5: Thank you, Lord. Thank
4: you. Hallelujah. Hear the word of the Lord. Amen.
5: Amen. God bless.
4: And also, you know how the enemy likes to do
3: distractions? Yeah. Do you know why he does that? Because that that can vex us. Uh, that can vex our hearts. Amen. Be- because we're supposed to be single-minded to God.
5: Right, one way.
3: Not have that, you know, because it says here, two thoughts and separate feelings can't fill up the same space. That's what he's working on, you know, like, the, yeah. you know, the vexation thing.
5: Paving hey, the way for us. No.
3: And so if we use John fourteen twenty seven, yeah. peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled and do not be afraid.
5: Isn't
3: that awesome? Oh, beautiful counseling. Uh, I I was studying that this morning. Bless her. In a book here that I got, Take Control of Your Life.
5: <laughs> oh. Isn't
3: that a good book? T- take Control oh, yeah, of Your Life. Oh,
5: yeah, Jesus Christ. Because if we don't take control through Jesus, the other one ain't going to get us. The devil ain't getting us. God is controlling our lives.
4: We must always be focused with an oldie. Oh, I figured you were going to play that, yes. Yes, I love that one. doesn't ruin it. There we are. This is the soul one. I play it. no, I know it a little softer, too. No, she, she usually sings Well oh, why don't why don't we sing it together? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I'm gonna <laughs> Okay. Um blessed assurance, Jesus
1: is mine. Oh what a fool. Salvation, purchase of love. I don't have the words. I have to get the lyrics.
3: Born of His Spirit, washed in His
1: love. This is my.
3: I think we sing really good together. (laughs) I
1: think we sing well together.
2: If it wasn't for God's grace and mercy, where would, where would I be? I, I'd That's be in my right. grave. So.
1: That's right. That's
2: right. I just want to give God all grace, grace. the praise yes. and all the glory. This is the Mississippi Mass yeah. Choir. Yes. I
4: do like how. My story, this is my song. He's in my Savior all the day long. All right. <laughs> of the man Thank you. God bless you
2: guys I'm not going to make this post office Elka sorry I couldn't get back to you last night I, I don't know I think I texted When I checked my message it was 3 in the morning
3: Yeah but you did get the message though
2: so. Yes darling and I prayed I'm pr- We were praying for you
3: Thank you so much because um. They can't keep doing that.
2: Yeah. yeah. You know? Um. God bless you too, Jeff. Okay. Okay, he's here, but he, he's muted. And I know you're, and we're praying for a breakthrough for you, Jeff. Keep him in your prayers. Okay. Um. You know, well, Elka, I Elka, I don't know. Um. Well, Jeff, maybe you want maybe, well, Jeff is, Elka's in Canada. Because Elka's in a big old house. She hey, was gonna, listen, but she wants you know,
3: you, you know that God wants to use that home for his mission.
2: Maybe you need to hook up with Jeff. I told you, God don't want no single sex house. You need a mixture. No. <laughs> Miriam, so, no. You need a mixture. I don't think he wants no all women. You need go bring Jeff in, y'all. You know, you you will make a uh make that turn that into a church.
3: Jeff oh, is yeah, a, right? a nice young man. Well, well, only if God says so, right?
2: Right, right. And he 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 has a background in theology, and um, I'm going to maybe I'll introduce you guys on the phone. But you are in Canada, so it's a little difficult. But Elka, you know, I'm sure you can. Uh, he would have his own room if he went there, right?
3: Oh no way, <laughs> no way, no, no. That's not what God has.
2: You wouldn't. He's a TI. He needs a place.
3: Yes, I know, but why does he have to come to Canada?
2: Huh?
3: Why does he have to come to Canada?
2: Because there may not be any other place. But no, he's working with a church. God will open the way if, if if you don't want him there.
3: No, no, it's strictly ladies.
2: Nah, nah, that that's ridiculous. Nah.
3: Well, that's, well, what, that's what
2: I have many male friends. There's, n- I under no circumstances would I do it, anything all women. That that is that is such a. A demon spirit, a lesbianism that's running around. No just... way, no way. No, I'm something... not saying you, but he will send them in there. I like mixed environments.
3: Yeah, well, well, the men are gonna come and visit.
2: Uh, even.
4: Mm-mm.
3: Mm-mm. No, no, this is older ladies. This, <laughs> nah. this is grandma.
2: Oh, please, get out of here, only ladies, get out of here. All croaking, get out of here Put some men in there
1: no, I don't have to take any men in to there Top some men, bottom floor women Please You know
3: Well, you know, it's not supposed to be a T.I. house
4: Oh, okay
3: It's supposed to be a Shekinah Glory house
2: Well, I introduce you to someone that loves the Lord Yeah And he does love the Lord and uh, you know you, you're in that big house, and I and I know it's no hookup because he could be your son. He's much younger than you, but it's the point of having a lot of times you need that. You just need that male company in there, especially if you're gonna have a bunch of women. You just need men, that you know men, the presence of men in there break them demon spirits of any type of uh, have them women looking at you, honey. Please. It's just good to have mixed environments, especially in this day and age. Because that well, demon, uh, you know, it's just just festering across that homosexual demon.
3: No, and this has nothing to do with homosexual. I understand
2: nothing. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Nothing to do with that. I understand nothing. that.
2: That's not the intention. But that's why you don't even let that. You don't even let allow the room for it. You keep a mixed environment. But okay, all right. I mean, I, I, you know, if you need, you know, if you know, you need, you, you know, you know, if you want, you, I know you're in that house, so you know, if you. Well, want, God's if it, holding. You, you want to help people. this young man? Loves the, the Lord. He he's been to theology school, and um, <laughs> you know, you God could use you to help His ministry grow. Oh,
3: oh yes, and God, uh, God also knows that that um, flee from temptation, right?
2: temptation he could be your son elka so what oh you like him young huh i don't, know. I don't <laughs> like him
3: young i i just know what the devil okay. is capable of doing
2: oh. well you must be uh okay all right we'll talk about it another time don't don't let me miss my my uh this uh, i can't miss i yeah yeah. 330 i thought it was 230 i can't miss the post office i'll talk to you later all right jeff all right, Jeff, you know, I'll talk to you later, too. I miss the Bronx now. Now I'm stuck out of here. i got to wait till these housing people come and fix some things in my mother's house.
3: Tell, tell uh, Jeff that I'm praying, I- I'm praying for him to do what that church that he's affiliated later. with. Huh? Tell Jeff that I'm praying for him for that church that he's affiliated with.
2: Okay, that it, it, that it grows, right. Okay. And then, back the backup plan, maybe he could start a little Canadian church there with you. No.
3: <laughs> no, 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 no.
2: I'm only joking, Olga. Okay? I'm only joking. But, you know, worse comes to worse. He's a good guy, and um, I would hope you're in a big house. If he needed a place to stay, we'll, you, you would be open to considering it at least.
3: Just keep praying those binding prayers against vexation, okay?
2: Against what?
3: Vexation.
2: Vexation?
3: Yeah, 'cause that's what they do. They vex
2: me. Oh, okay.
3: They vex me, trying to bring me into such an agitation.
2: Okay. Okay. Goodbye, Jeff. Okay, we'll get Just coffee when I get back. Finding that Bronx. Okay. Okay. All right, darling. I got to make this post office. Talk to you. Good. God bless everybody. I'm
3: praying for everybody there.
2: Yes, the blood so. of
3: Jesus covers Thank us you all. for your
2: contribution. Thank you for your prayers. And we love you. Bye-bye.
4: Yeah, bye-bye. Okay.
2: God's uh, grace and
4: mercy.